Hi everyone, welcome to Apricot Bakes and More, the podcast. I am your host, April, and today we're going to talk about my favorite subject, baking. I have some great tips and tricks for you to use to make your already delicious delectables perfection. Ooh, say that three times fast. And I'm going to give you a list of my top 10 pans every home baker should have later on at the end. So stay tuned and let's begin. Let's So ingredients. This is when it takes just a little time to prep. Make sure you have room temperature ingredients. This should never be ignored. It plays a very vital role in your cookies and cakes. It helps the creaming of the butter and the sugar get together. You know, you want to have that perfect marriage between the two of them. And equally as important as room temperature butter is same temperature ingredients. You'll see a lot of recipes mention that you need to be tempering the hot chocolate, well, the hot chocolate, oh, that sounds good right now, the hot ingredients with a cooler one. This step is done to ensure that it's emulsified and won't seize or separate in between, you know, the baking process. Invest in quality bakeware. Now, Quality does not mean expensive. You can buy really good bakeware at, say, your local box store compared to, say, the dollar store. You don't want flimsy thin pans or sheet trays because they're not going to conduct heat efficiently and that is not going to be very good for your cakes or your pastries. Also, you don't want non-stick coating pans. I know that seems a little weird, but over time it will flake off, giving um, your foods, you could actually put like little flakes in your foods and it's gross. And it can also actually start giving off gas and that's just dangerous. Invest in well-greased pans. I, I still use my Dutch oven. Oh my God, I love my Dutch ovens. And my, oh, I'm drawing a blank right now. My cast iron pans that my father-in-law's parents used. Those things don't go bad for a reason. Just take some love and care for them. Um, another great thing to do is butter and flour your pans generously. Now, this is a trick that I'm still teaching my kids. Excuse me one moment. Water. Um, when, Especially when I'm making like a banana bread or a pound cake, if you just put a couple swipes of butter and a dusting of flour, your cakes are going to stick. And when they get released, they're going to have chunks missing and they're going to fall apart and you don't want that. If you're going to take the time to bake something pretty, finish it all the way through. Um... You definitely want to invest in a good scale. Weighing your ingredients is far better than doing a volume, like saying a cup or um, a half a pound, well, not half a pound's weight. Like doing cup measurements over, you know, actual weight measurements, you get a better product out of it. And you can get it relatively cheap for like $20, but definitely, definitely invest in one of those. It has helped my breads come out so much better especially my croissants which by the way there is a recipe on apricot bakes for croissants um you want to definitely 
toss out the old stuff. <laughs> I don't mean your pots and pans, especially if they're good, but I do mean your ingredients. Um, if you don't know how old it is, don't use it. Especially when it comes to like baking soda, baking powder, yeast, and yes, even flour. They all have a relatively short shelf life. So make sure you test them either with water and vinegar to see how they react. Um, you definitely, definitely want to make sure you're using fresh ingredients to get the best quality. Take your time and read each step through. Complete each step as it's written. There is a reason why they're written in steps. Um, for instance, the creaming process with the butter and the sugar. The shop sugar graduals slice through the butter, creating air pockets, like I mentioned before, that ultimately give your pastry that lift. Um, if you skip that step and just dump everything in, you'll end up most likely getting a dense and heavy pastry. And that's, you don't want that for a product. Um, so definitely pay attention to the key instructions, like creaming till light and fluffy, mix until just combined, fold in gently, don't take a spatula and go whisking around like my son does. Fold in gently. There are reasons for these, especially if you're making like a souffle or a mousse. You want to keep that light and fluff. You want to keep it with the air and if you go too fast, it flattens out and then what do you have? You have a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> okay, that was just funny. Use salt, I know it sounds a little counterproductive, but using salt helps bring the flavors together. It doesn't, you know, add adding salt doesn't make it salty. It combines your flavors. It brings out the sweetness of the pastries. Um, it helps add, you know, excuse me, it helps add flavors to the vanillas and the almonds and the lemons and that sugar pop when you're eating it. Big tip is rotate your pans halfway through. If like all ovens have these hot spots, so by rotating your pans, you're going to make sure that everything gets heated evenly. You don't want one half of your oven being this nice golden brown and the other one looks pale and sickly because it's well, pale. It's cooked, but it's pale. Um, don't mess around with your oven temperatures. Okay, so we've all seen the sitcoms when the guy is like, oh, well it said to cook at 300 for 20 minutes, but we only had five, so I cranked up to 500, no. Do not do that. <laughs> like, what? There's a reason these temperatures are set. There are to make sure that you don't get sick, for starters, and that your um, pastries and cookies come out the way you expect them. I always find those episodes amusing. I'm just like, ah, no, don't do that. Um, a great way to check about the temperature is to know your oven temperatures. Get yourself an oven thermometer. Turn your oven on to what it says to be, say, 350. Wait a little while till it gets heated up. And then check that uh, thermometer. Make sure your 350 oven is actually 350 and not, say, 375 or 355. These 
differences in temperatures will ultimately, or it's hard, uh, affect your baking. Okay, so, okay, my last one, which is pretty hard for me to do even, is let them cool. Everyone loves those fresh pastries straight from the oven, and oh, they smell so tempting, and you just want to eat them. Let them cool. One, you're going to save your tongue from burning, and two, it gives the ingredients a chance to settle. It sounds weird, I know. To settle and, you know, it's like steak. You don't rip into a steak the minute it comes off the grill. You give it a chance to cool. Not cool, but you give a chance for the juices to get back in there. Same with baking. You're giving it a chance for those ingredients to get back together, to reintroduce themselves, and be really the way you want them to be. Okay, my last thing is probably going to get me in my biggest trouble. Substitutions. We've all used them. Let's let's not pretend like we have. Um, the reasons the recipes are written the way they are is because that's the way they should be. Now, I understand people have certain diets or don't want to eat certain things. I get it. But when you're substituting, you're no longer using that recipe. You have created your own recipe, believe it or not. And certain ingredients act different ways in the oven. Knowing your ingredients and knowing the recipes really do help make sure that your products are coming out the way you intend it. So try to avoid substitutions, especially when it comes to sugar. I know I'm going to get a lot of flack on that one. Don't get me wrong. We all like our little sugar substitutes, but when it comes to baking, I am a purist. I like my sugar in my baking. All right, I'm going to go refill up my water, so I will be right back. Nothing drives me more insane than my kids coming home telling me that they have a class party, they have a PTA fundraiser coming up, and they need cupcakes stacked. Like, it is life and death that they need these cupcakes. The whole world is going to explode if they don't get these cupcakes right now. Now I've got two in the same in the same grade, and let me tell you, I've got to do everything double. So, anything that's going to save me time, I am all down for. However, just like every other working parent out there, I don't always necessarily have the time. And sure, I can go out to the bakeries and buy a set of those beautiful cupcakes. But you only get like a dozen for like $25. That's insane. Not saying that you shouldn't support local bakers, but come on now. They're cupcakes. So, you're going to go to your store and you're going to be hit with a wall of different cupcake batters. You're going to have chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry, and birthday cake. I didn't know that was even a flavor, honestly. And red velvet. And you're going to be like, what? Pick your favorite batter. Pick your favorite flavor. Go home and pop it in the oven. Okay. Sure, you could do that. But your cupcakes are going to taste the same as every other parent's cupcakes who use a box. So, I'm going to give you some tips on how to take that, you know, $1.25 box and turn it into a bakery deliciousness that they think you spent trillions of dollars or 
had all day to slave over a hot stove. Throw some powder on your face. Just like when you go into the, you know, drop off the cupcakes, dust a little bit of flour on your face and go, oh, I these just came out of the oven so perfectly. No, I'm kidding. I just saw that I'm moving. I thought it was funny. All right. <laughs> so you're going to take your box. You're going to ignore everything it tells you except for the cooking times and the temperature for the oven. And this is why. You're going to replace your water with the same amount of milk. You're going to throw in an extra egg. Now, if you're using a chocolate flavor cake, go ahead and add about a teaspoon or so of either an instant coffee or some old coffee that you didn't drink from the morning before. I mean, that morning. Don't do a day old because that's gross. Um, use your butter instead of oil only because it gives you a better depth of flavor and it has a better crumb to the cupcakes. Add a teaspoon, or in my case, a couple of teaspoons of vanilla and add salt. Not a lot of salt. We don't want salty cake. That's gross. You want only maybe about a quarter teaspoon of salt and that really just helps to add in more that pops that flavor some more. Then you're going to go ahead and fill your cupcake liners about halfway to just under two-thirds because you want them to rise but not to go like spilling over so you're taking a knife and scraping it off your cookie sheets. Not cookie sheets, my bad, cupcake pans. Okay, so you're doing that and your house is smelling wonderful and your kids think you're a rock star and you're like, ah, everything's perfect. Okay, so you come down to icing. Okay, so if you buy the commercial icing stuff, let's be honest, it can taste a little chemically, chemically, if that's like correct. It's got that off flavor, that fake flavor. No, not for your cupcakes. Your cupcakes are going to be ba-bam, right? Okay, so take about a cup of chocolate chips. And if I remember correctly, you want to take, no, let me back that up. Take eight ounces of chocolate chips and put them in a bowl. Then you're going to take a cup of heavy cream. Make sure it's heavy cream. Don't do it with the milk. You'll just get chocolate milk. Learn from my mistakes. I did it three times the other day. Yes, even I make mistakes. Use heavy cream and put your heavy cream in a pot. Bring it up to just under a boil. You don't want it to curdle because that's gross. Pour all your chocolate chips, walk away. Just walk away. Walk away for about five minutes or so. Then come back and stir it up until it is glossy smooth. Like dreamy, like, oh my God, you got to eat this chocolate. And then walk away again. As it's cooling, it's going to get thicker and you'll be able to use that. Oh, by the way, you just made ganache, right? So you're going to be able to use that to decorate the top of your your cupcakes and look amazing. If you want to go the extra mile, take that ganache that you just made, either with a standing mixer or your handheld mixer, and beat it up until you get these nice fluffiness. And you can just put little dollops on top of your cupcakes, add a little sprinkle, and ba-bam, you look like you just came out of a bakery and you were this fabulous parent who were making these amazing cupcakes and going to work and raising kids and you just like 
parent envy, okay? It probably won't really happen, but <laughs> it's a nice dream to get you through the day with the kids, right? Um, you can also make it buttercream frosting. It is my absolute favorite. You take a couple sticks of butter, some powdered sugar, just a little bit of milk, very little bit of milk, um, vanilla, and if you're going to do a chocolate one, then you put some cocoa powder in, you blend that up and go zoom, zoom, zoom in your little mixer, and you get this nice, fluffy, like, oh my gosh, skis. Now, downside to buttercream is that butter melts when it gets hot, and I live where it is always hot. So I have found this great, all right, you're going to yell at me because I'm going to tell you to substitute butter, and I just got finished telling you not to substitute. <laughs> all right, so there is this shortening that tastes like butter. Shortening has a very, very high melting point, so it takes a lot of heat to start melting this down. So if you take your buttercream and cut it with half butter and say half of this butter flavor shortening, you won't get that greasy flavor, you'll still get that butter flavor, but you'll also get a longer shelf life to your buttercream, so it should be able to make it from your nice, cool, AC-conditioned house, like I live in, to your car, to the school. Or like maybe a child's birthday party like I did for their first birthday. Oh my God, that was such a hot mess. I made my kids, they were one, they didn't know any better. Um, cupcakes and I did butterfree and I was going to make it all special and it had buttercream frosting and everything was homemade and we went to the park because they're one so what better way for a one-year-old than go play right um we get around to celebrating and the cupcakes is like this hot mess of like goo everywhere because their frosting melted oh my god so embarrassed but it was it's hilarious now that I look back at it Oh my god. I don't think my kids even remember that story. That's okay. So make sure you adjust things like that for, you know, the areas that you live in. Or you can go and, you know, spend $25, sometimes even more, on 12 cupcakes. Um, there's a cupcake store somewhere that used to be here. I think they may have closed. It was like $3.75 for a single cupcake and almost $30 for a dozen. I don't know about you, but I'll take the 20 minutes baking a cupcake instead of spending the $30 in um, buying the cupcakes, because nope, that's like cray-cray, right? Okay, I'm gonna step away again for a minute because all this yickety-yackety talking is making me very thirsty, so bear with me and I'll see you back in a second. Before we move on to the absolute baking pans I think everyone should have, I forgot to mention decorating tips. Crazy! So if you're not going to go the ganache way and you want to use frosting, but you want to make them look pretty, there are two tips that I think everyone should own. It is the large round and the large star tip. They make your cupcakes look pretty. Um, if you do not have a excuse me, if you don't have a piping bag, no big deal. You can actually use a Ziploc bag. Just put the tips in the bottom, cut off a, like one corner, only one corner. 
put everything in and squeeze away. Um, you also will need an offset spatula to help with like when you do the double layer cakes to smooth around the edges. A regular spatula does not work as well. I highly recommend using reusable piping bags. Just make sure you wash them really, really, really good when you're done. You don't want any of the extra grease from your previous kitchen experiment to still be on there when you go use them again. I think that might be the only downside to reusables is you do have to watch out for that. Um, but I definitely suggest you have those for when you do your cakes, cupcakes, and you just want to make things look pretty. All right, now for pans. We all know to every artist needs the right tools. Same with every baker. You need the right tools, the right pans to make your already perfect confectionaries even better. Let's start off with the sheet pan or you might know it as a cookie sheet. I love my cookie sheets. I use them for roasting potatoes, root vegetables, making cookies. You can actually even use them to make those beautiful, oh, I forgot what kind of cakes they are. I think jelly rolls, you know, the ones when they have the, the cream in the middle and it's rolled up and it looks like, well, I guess a jelly roll. Um, you can also use that for that. The half sheet pan usually measures around 12 to 16, 12 to 12 by 16 inches. Um, if you have a small oven, you can actually get smaller sizes. Um, your muffin or a cupcake pan, big, big, big user in my house, mostly because I'm forever making muffins for my kids. But you can also get a popover pan. I haven't made popovers yet, so I'm not 100% sure. But I have people who do make popovers that I know that absolutely love them. Really dish, really pretty. Maybe I'll have to try that. Huh. My brain works a thousand different ways, so you'll get used to my rants. My loaf pan. Oh, my loaf pan. I have so many different size loaf pans. I have a one pound, a two pound. Ones that I use just for quick breads. Ones that I use for sandwich breads. I love my loaf pans. I don't think we've actually bought bread in about four years at my house because I make so much bread and use my loaf pans that much. Honestly, I have bread rising now. So when I'm done, I can put it in the oven and make sandwich breads. Um, your bunt pans. Now, I love these pans because you don't need that special frosting for decorating to make it look pretty. Put a dusting of powdered sugar over it, or you could make like a glaze and just put like do little swirls over it and everybody goes, ooh, ah, this looks so pretty. That's why I love those. Um, but not to be outdone is their cousin, the tube pan, which would be great for angel food cakes, chiffon cakes, or any cake that needs to be flipped over and cooled inside of the pans. They have little feet on the top of them to help it stand up and have the air circulate underneath. And the gravity, when it cools, allows the cake to just fall down. Funny story, my son tried to make an angel food cake once. Now, I don't actually own this pan. So he took a bottle and put it 
at the bottom of the bunt can in like the little circle and flipped the bunt can on top of it and waited for it to fall down. And when it didn't fall down, he didn't understand what he was doing. So he took a knife and started going around the pan with the knife. And he's not understanding why it's not coming out. And he's shaking it and shaking it. And all of a sudden it went plop. And it kind of fell apart. And it you know, shrank a little bit because it was angel food. He's like, but I did it right. I'm like, you didn't let it cool. He's like, oh. So I think he's going to be trying again and again and again. I'm going to have to probably invent in one of these pans. Not invent. Invest in one of these pans. Now, if you do a lot of cakes, um... Your 9-inch round cake pans, definitely a must. They are awesome for, well, round-inch cakes. I, I kind of thought that was self-explanatory. Your 9 by 13 baking pan. Oh, my gosh. I love my pan. I do cakes in it. I do my ratatouille in it. I do lasagna. Oh, I haven't made a lasagna in a while. Maybe I'll do that. Um... But yeah, this is one of my favorite ones next to, and not to be outdone by, my 8-inch square pan. Um, with this pan, it's great, 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 great for brownies. You get that nice, chewy, fudgy brownie out of it, or you can make fudge in it. I tend to make fudge in it a lot during Christmas because my husband and children devour it before I even get a chance. I really need to learn to start eating it before they get home. My pie plates, I would be lost without my pie plates. I love my pie plates. I make some of the best pies, if I do say so myself. Um, depending on the type of pie plate you get, gives you a different kind of crust. So, uh, for instance, a ceramic pie plate will produce a deep brown crust, but glass plates are also excellent because you can actually see the color of the crust as it's browning. That's what I have. I prefer those. I underbaked a pie crust once, once, and have never been able to let it down. So now every time when my timer goes off, I take the pie plate out, I look up, like I lift it over my head to see if it's brown all the way through and I don't see any raw dough, just to make sure. I swear, when you screw it once and your family doesn't let you forget, you make sure never to screw up again. <laughs> Definitely have your square, square, I'm sorry, your nine inch spring form pan. I love this pan for baking cheesecakes. Um, you can also use it for a tart if you don't have a tart pan or even quiches. Mm. Ooh, a, a quiche? I made a quiche once. I had eggs. It had cherry tomatoes and Brussels sprouts. It was really weird, but it tastes so good. Just make sure you caramelize everything first. Um, but yeah, those are really all the pans that you really need to begin your baking extravaganza, you could say. When you want high quality pans, but you don't necessarily need to go out and buy expensive pans. I believe I mentioned this earlier. But just because it's expensive does not mean that it's high quality. There's a store in my area that sells ridiculously expensive clothes. Like 
oh my God, you're insane for buying clothes there. And I went there because I was insane at one point. And I bought clothes there because, again, I was insane there. And I walked in and I was happy and I bought them and I came home and I wore them and I looked so pretty in them. And then I washed them by the instructions with light colors, with, you know, on tumble dry low. And it shrank. I was like, what the W other words that are not child appropriate it looked horrible I was like I just spent a ton of money on this to look at like crap and I don't want the same thing for my baking stuff I want high quality at a reasonable price I don't think that's too much to ask for honestly um make when you do buy it just make sure is what you can afford. Don't go breaking your bank. Do not go put yourself in debt for a pan. That is why we have Amazon. They are not affiliated with me. I do not get money for, you know, promoting them. But they do have really some of the best prices I've seen. So let that take away with that as you will. It looks like that is about all for today. Um, I hope you've learned something. I am hoping you take away something. Try a couple of my tricks that I gave you. If you have any questions, please let me know. More than happy to answer them either on the show one day or on Facebook. You can reach me at apricotbakes at gmail.com. Uh, make sure you sub subscribe. Words are hard today. Make sure you subscribe. Do never miss an episode. I promise to get better. <laughs> um, I will check you all out next week when we're going to be going on the healthy side. See, we did sweets today. Next week, we're talking healthy. Crazy, right? Kids eating healthy. But we'll talk next week. So until then, have a good one and bye.